Thank you for tuning into the Radicards podcast on Radicards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Greeno, and I have my buddy D- Ryan Daly joining us today again. Ryan, how's it going? Good, good. Good to be back. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Uh, you know, we're just going to blast through this here. First things first here, you might remember uh, a sort of garish set that came out in the early 90s, 1990-91 Hoops. Uh, it's been discovered that the Mark Jackson card actually has cameo appearances of the Menendez brothers sitting at, in the bleachers uh, mm-hmm. right there. Actually, not even the bleachers, they're like on the floor. Yeah, like courtside. Courtside. And um, it's believed that this image was taken after they murdered their parents, but before that they before they were arrested for it. So I guess, to my understanding, they went on like a big spending spree. And yeah. so courtside tickets obviously are premium seats, so they're not going to be cheap. Um, and they made their way into the Mark Jackson photo for the card. Now, there has been a spike, obviously, in prices uh, for the card because of this. Who knows how long this will last? They printed about a bajillion, trillion, billion, nth number degrees of these cards. There's no shortage of them floating around. Probably some of us who collected back then have these in our collections, you know, already. It's because 9091 mm-hmm. hoops is not in short supply. So uh, there's really no need to spend $20 on this card. Uh, it should be worth like 20 cents. <laughs> but, you know, yes. interesting um, stuff. I, I understand eBay has... Uh started to kind of filter through listings and pull some of these listings, uh, which is interesting. I I can't think of a, another phenomena where eBay has gotten involved. Um, but very odd kind of development in the hobby. And hopefully, uh, if you you were savvy enough to get out there and ride that wave that lasted about two days Mm -hmm. and you could make, you know, 20 bucks on a card that's worth less than 20 cents probably. (laughs) Wait, so how has eBay intervened? What have they so did why are they removing are they removing listings? And if so, what's what's the reason for it? Uh they're saying that it's against the website's policy to sell an item that's affiliated with uh murderers or serial killers. Oh, okay, yes. Okay. So they're and you know, they're basically marketing these cards not as a Mark Jackson card, but as, you know, a Mark Jackson card featuring the Menendez brothers. Right. Who, famous killers <laughs> right so like on one hand I, I get ebay's policy um and yeah i hope that you're just one of those sellers that got on there before ebay did <laughs> i mean whatever the case is like it, it, this card can be had in like i mean junk bins you know i mean just i just yeah. feel like this the spike is going to be a very short-lived thing there's not long-term investment potential in something like this you know and so Interesting, kind of to see it. I mean, who's to know who's to be who's to credit who found it? I mean, a lot of guys are coming out and saying you should have credited me, et cetera. But people would have found out about this anyway. I don't think that this is going to be a creditable, uh, you know, uh, discovery. You know, if if anything, yeah. credit the photographer for this. You know, that's that's really who should we should credit for that. Um, <clears throat> but I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, there's you kind of look back on some of the junk wax stuff, and you can find cameos of some of the guys who've come up and maybe been pro stars or. Uh, these kinds of guys or, you know, miscellaneous types of things uh, or, or people are cameoed in certain cards. So that's kind of an interesting point to talk about. Uh, moving on here, Harold Baines and Lee Smith uh, makes the, make the Hall of Fame under the uh, Veterans Committee induction. So, you know, I, I, I look, Lee Smith, I, I think that I was looking at his stats and he was really a, a great saver. He, he, was, a, he was a good closer. 
Um, and so I was having a conversation with uh, a gentleman online about this, and he had indicated that Lee Smith sort of popularized that role in the 80s. And so I didn't really pay attention. I wasn't watching baseball like that in the 80s at all. I just, I really only paid attention to Lee Smith starting in like 94, you know, and at that point he'd already had a significant number of years and it was about 12 of them actually. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, I got the case for Lee Smith, I think more so than Harold Baines. Harold Baines to me was a great utility player, great star, great, you know, very good player. I just didn't see yep. Hall of Fame numbers in his his numbers. And then I look at guys like Dale Murphy, who I don't really see Hall of Fame there either, but I definitely see the more of the case for Dale Murphy than I do, do Harold Baines. So th- when I saw Harold Baines again, I was like, man, I've always liked Harold Baines. It's not an issue mm-hmm. of me liking or not liking him. I just never thought he, of him as a, of a Hall of Fame type guy. Yeah, and, and these these are great examples of how nuanced the Hall of Fame can be. And I know that, Harold Baines and Lee Smith were inducted not based on the Baseball Writers Association of America. Um, They were inducted by uh, some sort of veterans committee who can induct players that have long since retired from baseball. Um, I'm not privy to the details on that process. But every couple of years, some guys get in that have been retired for a while mm-hmm. um, that don't necessarily have these jaw-dropping numbers. Right. Um, and you know, I don't—I've never been to Cooperstown. It's on my bucket list. I don't know if like Harold Baines and Lee Smith are logistically in the same room as all the other guys in the Hall of Fame, or if it's like a separate sort of exhibit. Or, it's a basement. It's a yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's an auxiliary location located 50 miles away. Right, um, right. It's a campus location on like a very remote uh, 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 mountain somewhere, you know. Yeah. No, so I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they get the whole plaque treatment and like if if they're treated as equals amongst these other giants of the Hall of Fame. Sure. Um, but I do know it's a different election process, um, and this happens um, every couple of years, if not every year, where. Mm. Um, sort of like a fan favorite type of player will get into the Hall of Fame. So uh, it's a pretty nuanced um, decision-making process, and you know, go read up on it if you're interested. Sure. I mean, like like I said, I, I've always liked Lee Smith and Harold Baines. I, I just never – I mean, I filed them as, as a kid, as a young collector. I, I had Harold Baines section pages in my binder. I had a Lee Smith page or two in my binder. But I, I, I didn't ardently collect them like I did, say, the Griffies and the Frank Thomases and the Cal Ripkins and Nolan Ryans and Tony Gwynn's. You know, they mm-hmm. were just kind of like, all right, I got a Lee Smith and a Baines. They go here. You know, and so um, I just see the case more for guys like we, you know, we recently made an argument for Dave Parker, which I think has much more of an argument there. Uh, yes. You know, it, 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 we, we talked about Dale Murphy, who has, I can't, I think, loosely an argument, but I, I just honestly never thought of Dale Murphy as a Hall of Fame. Very good, very good player, but um, I just figured if you're going to let in Harold Baines, you got to let in those other two guys. You're just, you're just going to have to. At some point down the line, Dale Murphy's going to have to walk in at some point. You know? Yeah, it seems kind of arbitrary to me. And if you spend any time on Twitter, um, you'll see people throwing up great examples of, of other players that have stats comparable to Baines and Smith, mm-hmm. saying why aren't these guys in the hall of fame too it might be know? a matter of time you know i mean if we see yeah. guys pop in you know this was unexpected for me i didn't anticipate baines or lee getting or baines or smith getting in this year but they they did and i'm, I'm happy for them i think it's it's a, well, you know i'm happy for a guy who gets 
achieves the greatest accomplishment in baseball, you know, being getting that kind of accolade. So I'm, I'm very happy for them. I just think that it's now probably a matter of time before we see some of these other fellas get in through the veterans committee, you know, looking at like what kind of impact they had on the game over the course of their careers. So mm-hmm. eh, just want to touch on that. I think that's cool. But speaking of guys who have made hall of fame or have a potential to make the hall of fame, Adrian Beltre uh, hangs it up after a long run of years, professional years. And so really happy to see him kind of just like move on to the next stage in his, his life uh, really enjoyed uh, seeing him in baseball cards for a long, long time. Uh, I didn't really pay as much attention to him in 97 when he came on the scene as I did say in like, I don't know, the late 2000s, you know, like maybe the, like like earlier this decade even. I just was like never really paid attention much to him until he was starting to reach that like 3,000 hit milestone. So uh, I think mm-hmm. Beltre has a very good case for the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Um he had an incredible run for many, many years. Uh, and, I, you know, Bartolo Colon's is the only guy left playing that's made his debut back in the 90s. Yeah, um, I think Miguel Cabrera barely missed that. I think he made his debut in 2000, 2001. But the guys that played in the 90s are starting to get pretty thin. So we're basically just left with Cologne now that Beltre is gone. Um, well, 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 hang on a second. Cologne's not that thin. He's a pretty heavy guy. (laughs) That's right. He's actually getting heavier and heavier, but he, yes, Um, to your, to your point, he is, I think the last of the, the, the crew from the nineties. Is he not, he's got, I I can't think of anybody else outside of Cologne now that we don't have Belcher anymore. And technically I think Cologne has sort of been riding out on these like one year contracts the past couple years. So. I don't think he has a major league contract at this point in time in December. Mm. Um, so we might not even see him play. So he, this might be it for those guys. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, Cologne's had a great career. I mean, he's he's, oh, yeah. he's a fan he's favorite. He's got all fame numbers, potentially. I don't know. I think that he, there, there might be a case for him at some point. I, I You know, just as longevity um, alone is, is, is reason for some kind of an argument. I mean, I, I, I could say that, but, you know, we have guys like Jamie Moyer who spent like, a lot like well over two decades in a career and he doesn't have hall of fame numbers unfortunately no Um, and so you've got so i i can't really make the case for longevity equals hall of fame potential i could say that longevity equals the potential for you know uh reaching some milestones which which might equate to breaking some records which in that case might lead you to uh, some kind of an argument where you can make for his hall of fame induction Uh, i Mm -hmm. don't know if bartolo colin is one of those guys but i know he's a fan favorite um and people like watching him and he, I, it's my understanding. He's just kind of a fun fella. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he was a Cy Young award winner at one point and he's got four, he's a four time all-star, you know, I mean, arguably speaking, if you want to compare this to say Harold Baines, it's not that far off in, in comparison to like accolades. Right. Yeah. So, I agree. Interesting to think about, but yeah, it's 21 years in his career already for Bartolo Colon. And I, I, you know, he, he's, he's free agent next year. So, if he picks up another contract, we might be able to see him for a 22nd year. So, but yeah, if he's the last guy, I can't think of anybody else who's still playing, uh, that, that came out of that nineties dynasty decade. Yeah, me neither. So interesting stuff. Uh, uh, Brian, you want to take on this next one here? Patrick Corbin. Sure. Yeah. Patrick Corbin signed a very, um, very rich deal with the Washington nationals. And, 
that team has just sort of established a pretty killer rotation with Strasburg and Max Scherzer mm-hmm. and now Patrick Corbin. That's a pretty nasty one, two, three punch. Um, so what I find interesting about Corbin is that he's been on the scene for several years now, but he only really made an impression uh, this past year and the year before that, which made him a really attractive free agent. But it really hasn't done much for his card uh, sales. So as best I can tell, the 2010 Bowman Platinum is one of his better rookie cards to have. Mm-hmm. And you can get those, an autograph copy, for well under 50 bucks pretty easily. Um, so it's just rare to see such a huge, big-ticket free agent uh, signing to a popular team uh, and not have... a pretty hot card market associated with that yeah i mean it's 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 you know every year you got guys that are coming up that are they're under the radar man and you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 if you can pay attention to some of these prospects out of the gate and pay attention to like their performances you know minor leaguers see kind of where they go uh, you can get some great deals you know with with some of those early bowman cards that come out that feature these guys and you know patrick corbin isn't technically you know a rookie He's been around. Uh, he's just now developing into somebody who's being, you know, dominant. He's, he's being uh, paired with a really interesting set of fellas on the same team. So uh, now might be the time to, you know, kind of scout what's what's in the market for him uh, and see see where, where where it goes. I don't have anything of him myself, and I really didn't pay much attention until Ryan brought this up. Uh, but I think it's kind of one of those instances where, um, you know, the old cliche of striking while the iron's hot, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yep, and you know he's got uh, I think four years on his big contract. So if he can piece together another four years of what he's done in the past couple years, I think we'll definitely start to see the card card values um, skyrocket. I mean, like I said, fifty bucks, less than that, forty bucks, easy, you know. Yeah, and he's got a great name too, Patrick. What a great name. Pat- <laughs> A little biased, I think. But. Right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt has been traded. You want to talk about that, Ryan? Yeah, so I guess the probably the biggest uh, off-season move has been this Paul Goldschmidt move, which I really like. I've always thought of St. Louis as being a, um offensive-heavy team, and they haven't really had that big bat in their lineup in the past couple years. And... They've missed the playoffs, and Paul Goldschmidt is just a game changer. And he's going to do awesome in that park. He's going to be Mark McGuire-esque, you know, big bulking dude smashing 40, 50 home runs a year. Um, there was an interesting auction. I'm not sure how this sort of snuck under the radar, <laughs> but 2011 uh, Bowman Chrome Orange Auto, 250 <laughs> That's like a $4,000 card, man. Yes. Now it was raw. Yeah. Still. 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 <laughs> It'd still be a four-figure card at auction if it just ran Absolutely. like standard. And so, you know, I, I kind of uh, did a temperature check online with you know what people might have thought about this particular auction and how it's like kind of gut-wrenching to see stuff like this. You're like, gosh, I, where was I when this was listed? Like, why mm-hmm. the heck didn't I pay attention? I wasn't looking for Paul Goldschmidt stuff ever. I never do. So this wouldn't have been an auction that would have passed by my radar. But when I see these kinds of things, I'm like, God, 
I, you know, I, I would have loved to have been the buyer, you know, at two fifty, mm-hmm. I would have found some way to pay for it. If I was down on funds or whatever, I would have been like, I'm going to figure out how to do this because it's such a darn good deal. Um, and so you got this particular auction. Now the temperature check, I, it, it indicated that some, one fella had mentioned that, you know, it could potentially be trimmed. And I have a hard time believing modern cards like this being trimmed. I just, I just, I, I just don't see any reason why anybody would trim a modern card like this. Mm-mm. Uh, yeah. I, I see, I see stuff being trimmed like in the fifties and sixties, but even that you get the sixties, it's, it's rare. So, um, I, I didn't really subscribe to that myself, but I, I just see a seller that just wanted to move something quickly at a bargain and didn't want to pay you know any any attention to the market where where, where something is worth and they just wanted to get get rid of it. So and they did, <laughs> you know they did mm-hmm. in a big way. And the buyer, man, what a great deal, you know, two fifty for this card. So I think two fifty is great for just the base refractor that's not autographed, the base orange mm-hmm. non autographed card. So, um, you know, kind of want to talk about this, you know you can't get it all right. There's, there's great deals to be had like all day long, every day of the week, 24 seven, you could find great deals on any number of types of things in the, in the market. So when you come across something like this, you know, try not to beat yourself up because there's another you know, like wave of great deals in the pipeline, just coming, coming through. So you just kind of have to see this and accept it and kind of move on and, and look for, you know, other opportunities. That's, that's kind of what I've learned is just, you know, that's just one of many I've missed. And the unknown unknowns are like all the stuff I didn't know that was sold that were great deals. I'll never know about because I can't go and research every single auction. Yeah. But as a market researcher myself in the hobby, like I try to pay attention to kind of get, you know, what's getting a pulse on what's hot and what's not hot and sort of like, you know, getting an idea of what people are buying, even if I'm not in that market. And so, um, Seeing the golden the 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 Paul Goldschmidt auction sell for the such great price, I, I have to realize like it's just one of many cards that I can't buy because I can't get I can't spend you know twenty four seven in front of my computer and having a million dollars free to freely to spend every month on cards. So I it's okay that you know you'll come across great deals and not be the buyer. Yeah, and you can really drive yourself crazy constantly combing the internet between eBay and check out my cards and all these other great resources we have. Yeah. And I've done that, you know, back when I was a more serious player collector, I would just spend hours and hours looking at stuff. And then, you know, life would happen. You'd go on vacation or maybe you had computer problems or, you know, an emergency comes up and you're offline for 24 hours or Mm -hmm. longer and something like this pops up and you miss it and you start kicking yourself (laughs) because you, you spend all that time looking for these sorts of things, but it's just, it's it's way too much for one person to to handle, and uh, you just sort of have to to move on. Don't dwell on it. You'll find other deals. Yeah, this is why you develop a team of affiliates <laughs> that sit at their computers all day long and buy yep. stuff with your money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I always thought that, like, you know, at some point in my life, what I would do is I would hire somebody to do the eBay bidding for me. I'd give them access to my credentials. And be like, okay, you can buy. And I would pay them based on a percentage of how much they spent on these cards, a checklist of cards that I would give them. And so that would give them incentive to, to bid aggressively, you know, for me so that I can get, you know, X, Y, and Z or whatever. So I, I don't know if I'll ever do that because it's kind of a lot of trust to give to somebody like, you know, access to my funds and my accounts and whatever. But I just, in my mind, that's how I process how to efficiently um, uh, implement uh, the, the ability to keep tabs on the market for stuff I collect and go about my life. 
you know, mm-hmm. kind of in the background. Uh, and so anyway, that's sort of a moot point, but I want to just kind of touch on that. So speaking of things that are somewhat rare that we come across from time to time, um, Steel City Sports Cards listed a box, a jumbo box, a 2011 Tops update for $3,500. And, you know, I was thinking like, well, what is the real value of that box? Um, you know, because we look at kind of like the sales, obviously the, the draw to that box is what? It's the Trout card. Duh. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, among the whole slew of other great rookies that are come out of that that product. But I'm thinking, okay, what the big draw being the Trout. And so I'm thinking to myself, if I had 3500 bucks and I wanted a really nice Trout card from that set, a parallel or something, I was looking at the market. Here's what I could buy. Out of the gate, PSA 10 copies. Here, here's what we're talking about. I can get a base PSA 10 for 500 Okay, I still have three thousand left over. I can get any of PSA tens of any of any one of the following cards: the gold, the blue, the diamond anniversary, or the cognac diamond. Okay, so I can get the base and any one of those other ones at P and PSA ten value, and still have money left over with thirty five hundred bucks. And that's just now. I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. It might go higher than obviously, but yeah, I think to myself. Where's the better use of my money? Is it the chance to get a Hope Diamond or to play it safe and just buy the PSA 10s outright and yeah. save some money? What would you do, Ryan? I would just buy what you want. <laughs> buy the card you're looking for. I mean, obviously you're looking for the Mike Trouts. Take that money and buy a specific card because you're really rolling the dice. I mean, a jumbo box is a lot of cards. Yeah. Um. So the odds, uh, they're still pretty insane though you know you might get and, a you might get a base i mean the odds are pretty sure. okay to get a base but the parallels they're, they're stacked against you man with a single yep. box i just think that like i'd rather spend the money on a psa 10 gold for 2800 or a blue yeah. for 2300 or a diamond for 1800 or a cognac for 15 Is cognac or con cognac 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 man i am just butchering the language here if if you actually spend 3500 bucks on this box you're basically saying I'm going to get at least two, if not three, of these cards we just talked about. One of these parallels of the Trout cards. Now, there are other players in 2011. Obviously, that's, that's a very stacked yes. year yes. amongst all products from that year. Yeah. But the Trout stuff is the stuff that sells the best. Right. So, I mean, 3,500 is, is pretty insane. And this is a pretty common thing, theme amongst our collecting trends is we tend to shy away from the wax and we wait for the nice cards to come out of it. And we target those cards specifically um, because you have to pay a premium for the wax. Then you have to basically roll the dice that you're going to get the card you want. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I would avoid this purchase. I, I, I haven't checked it in a while. It might've come down in price, but so to, um, to correct myself, it's Steel City Collectibles, not Steel City Sports Cards. You, you can follow them on Twitter if you want. Um, but yeah. uh, they're, they're, they're a great company. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an advocate of, of their, their company myself. I follow them on Twitter. But I honestly don't think that box at this time is worth 3500 It might be at some later time. I just think that that's a very ambitious price tag to put on that particular box. Yes, it's super cool they made it available. Yes. One could make an argument for just sitting on this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It does have the potential to be a really huge open for somebody. Um, so it's awesome that it's even on the market and we can see it. Yes. Uh, but I think it's a little too rich for my blood. So here's the thing with a box like this. It should never be opened. It should just change hands 
and change hands and be, can be sold for more and more and more. Every time it changes hands, it makes a profit more and more. Like the T206 Honus Wagner, every time it's changed hands, it's made more money. That's what they should mm -hmm. do with this. It should never be opened. It should just continually be sold and sold and sold. The mystique. <laughs> you know? Because you know when you open it, it's going to be all base cards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of nobody. Of a bunch of like Hank Congers and Mark Trumbos. <laughs> I remember my, uh, the local, my local card shop when I was a kid had 1989 upper deck unopened packs and i think they had one unopened box sealed box and it was infinitely more expensive than the other stuff they had on the shelf oh yeah and that, that always was like this super mysterious thing cause it's like man am i going to spend 10 bucks on one pack just so i can maybe get the griffey is that how much it was is 10 dollars? i think it was 10 bucks um and this is you know mid to late 90s <laughs> sure um and obviously i'd never purchased it i just bought the card I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, th there was always like this kind of mythology surrounding those those unopened packs. Um, so I agree. I think no one should open it. If anybody buys this, just sit on it for like another four or five years um, and try and sell it again. Yes. Keep it sealed. It's more valuable when it's sealed because of that mystery of what, what could be, what could happen. Uh, speaking of Mike Trout cards, uh, 2011 Bowman Chrome Blue Refractor raw sold to close with 32 bids at 1225 which i think it's for some it's okay here's the thing well everybody's chasing us 175 i think that some of these other ones and the parallels of which are being sold for what i f feel to be bargain prices i think 1225 for card what, what i think is to number to 150 um is, is a great deal for a trout rookie card Yes, yeah, my my own opinion. It was yeah, to one fifty. Um, just you know, the the tops updates a great card. It is. It's 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 a great photo. It's it's got a lot of you know history. It's iconic in a way. So, but while that's selling, other great trout rookie cards are available in the market. You know, and they're they're closing at what I feel to be very good prices. Blue refractor to one fifty trout rookie chrome, uh, for less than fifteen hundred bucks. I think is a very very solid investment, but that's just me. I can't give out investment advice. I'm just saying that if I were a buyer, I'd be very happy with that purchase. Yeah. I mean, I followed the trout stuff from this like 2010, 2011 era pretty closely. And the 2011 Bowman Chrome um, is definitely, I mean, I wouldn't consider it a bargain because all the stuff is expensive, but sure, it's on the cheaper side of things. Yeah. I, I, I personally don't own one. Right. I don't own an example. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, shopping for one at the moment um and i'm certainly glad that i know i can have one at a reasonable price yeah i'd like to get my hands on just a base us 175 psa 10 for 500 at some point just to just to get a trout into into the archive because i don't have anything of his right now and i would like to have something and if these prices continue the way they are it's just going to keep appreciating and so mm -hmm. might not be a bad idea to just knock those out as soon as possible um, speaking of big sales, we talked about this in a previous uh, podcast, but I want to follow up with the the, the, the realistic auction of it. The 2018 Topps Chrome Super Fractor Auto of Ronald Kuna uh, originally sold for 13600 and it was immediately relisted and then closed at 13800 so the seller made another 200 bucks, uh, which is, you know... I, it's it's still within like reason it's not like a it's it, that validates that that first sale was legitimate right mm -hmm. and then the second sale was a, a, about around ballpark so it just says that like this is this is what the market's claiming that this card's worth so 
Um, I really like this card. It's great. I wrote about it on uh, radicards.com, so definitely head over there and have a look at this cool scan. Um, uh, this was sold through Propstein, and mm -hmm. they always have really great stuff. Um, but I thought it was cool that it was relisted the same day that it sold, and then it ran Impressive. its course. It ran its course and then closed it around the same price on the second round. Yeah. So very aggressive. Super aggressive. I mean, there's always the guys that you share the stuff with. And they're like, well, you know, you could buy a mantle for this. And I'm like, dude, to each his own, man. Like, where, where you think your money's well spent, there's no wrong answer there. And one guy yeah. doesn't want mantle cards. He wants a Ronald Acuna Super Fractor Auto rookie card. You know, good for him. Which is also a super cool card. Yeah, it's like good for him. And and so if, if a guy wants to spend that 13 grand on a mantle, good for him too. There's no wrong answer here. You know, I, 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 I once, you know, I when I bought the Super Fractor of uh, Steven Strasburg, uh, back in 2017, gentlemen coming to me and say, you know, you could have bought a mantle in this condition. I was like, yeah, but I could buy that all day long, every day of the week, like into perpetuity because it's not a one of one. I mean, I, I this is a once enough lifetime opportunity and I'm going to take advantage of it. And so the Super Fractor here at Kuna, this is, a, this is the only one that exists. Mantle cards are available. You know, if you want them in any grade except for, you know, tens, depending on it. Most of us can't afford the tens anyway. Um, they're available. You know, you can get them at some point. Like, no rush. It's cool. So, um, really cool. I thought that was fun. Uh, this the sale of thirteen thousand eight hundred for the uh, Kuna Super Fractor right after he was uh, he made the Rookie of the Year award. So, good stuff. Moving on. Uh, Twenty seventeen Panini Prism Gold Vinyl. Uh, this is an interesting set for those of you uh, who who collect high end. I guess. Ryan, when you think of a super fractor, what are some characteristics that come to mind? Uh, swirly swirls and uh, sparklies and obviously one of one. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you think a super fractor, you think like it's a one of one. That's like what defines a super fractor. Yep. Now, Panini can't use the, the, the word super fractor. They can't use that as a title because that, that title's used by tops. And mm -hmm. so they have what's called gold vinyl, which is the same stuff. It's just their version of the superfractors. That's their title for their superfractors. What Panini does too to yeah. differentiate themselves is that some of these gold vinyls aren't one of ones. This particular release, 2017 Panini Prism gold vinyls, they actually have print run of five. So you can actually get five different copies of the same quote unquote one of one superfractor. They're to five, though. They, they just printed a print run of five of them. I bought one recently just because I wanted to have a Super Fractor that has a print run more than one because I think it's very unique. Um, and I, I like mm -hmm. what Panini's doing with these. I think they did a great job. Uh, with I, do, I think they do a great job with their gold vinyl parallels. I, I just like them. But it's this technically the same, um, structure, structurally speaking, the same design as the Super Fractors that Topps produced, like with the circles. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah, I would be super upset if I opened a pack of this product and I was flipping through and I saw that iconic pattern, that design. Yeah. yeah. And I would instantly think, oh my God, I got a super fractor. And then I turn it over and it's out of five. And it's You'd like, be upset with that, really? Let, I'd, be, I'd be a little let down. I mean, obviously out of five <laughs> is still a big deal. Sure. But just the implication when you put that super fractor design on a card, you expect a one on one. The seller in the title puts Super Fractor. It's not an actual Super Fractor. That's just a seller sort of doing some marketing, I guess. But it can be a little confusing. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it can be confusing to identify cards in the modern era. That's Is that safe to say? Mm-hmm. Out of the gate, just, I mean, I mean, Bowman products are sometimes a headache. They're like, which is this Bowman Chrome yeah. prospects or Bowman Chrome draft or is it draft picks? or what? There's so many different versions. You just kind of like, dude, they all look the same. <laughs> if you at least tell me on the back which which set this comes out of so I don't have to go research it. You know, mm-hmm. and I, that's kind of how I feel. But see, if I pulled something like this and it was number to five, I'd be completely happy with it. And okay. but I just look, I, 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 I mean, I, I like stuff based on the design of the cards. Print run is cool, but sometimes the card just by itself with the design is just great. I just like it. And so I'd be happy if I had pulled one of these out of a pack. I'd keep it, even if it was like a player I don't collect, or I just the thing would just be nice to have. So. I want to touch on that because the point here is that not all superfractors are one of ones. I know that football, in the football market, they uh, tops produced some superfractors that weren't one of ones. They were like number to ten or five uh, over the years, and so I, I had learned about that probably about eight years ago. Uh, that, that those superfract the, the superfractors existed with print runs above one. Uh, so this particular example for for baseball is either the first or one of the first encounters for me of a super fractor type card with a print run above one. Mm-hmm. So I just want to touch on that. Oh gosh. Um, geez, Ryan, we really blasted through that one, didn't we? Um, <laughs> we sure did. Uh, thank you for tuning in the Radicards cards podcast. Ryan, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I think next year in the winter time, we should pool our money and go to the winter meetings. They're in Las Vegas this year, mm-hmm. and I've been watching some footage of them. It looks kind of exciting. Oh, are you familiar with the winter meetings at all? Let's it's talk about GMs. Let's talk about uh, the winter meetings. <laughs> the GMs all get together um, in the off season, obviously in the winter time. Yeah, and they all uh, hash out who they want to trade with and right. who they want to sign, and it's it's kind of an interesting thing. And it's open to the public, as far as I can tell. I think you have to pay. Um, to get in obviously but yeah, what's i'm that? curious to know like what what is there for an average fan if you're not there in a professional manner right um what because it's all it's just negotiating and a lot of private meetings and stuff so so are uh, we just like like i mean are we just listening in on this stuff and, and what, what, what i do don't you think? think you can listen like, in on most of the important stuff so uh, if there's anybody out there that's been to the winter meetings before um i'd be really curious to know like what is in it for a fan because I watch on the MLB Network footage of the winter meetings, and there's all these fans walking around. They're all pumped. They look like they're at a game or something. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> these are all like board meetings. I mean, this it seems like a very corporate event to me. And uh, but it's I guess it has some appeal. So I guess the question is like, what what's average ticket cost for something like this? Yeah, so that's something else I don't know. Yeah. Um, so. That, and another thing too is it like if if if. Yeah, well, I guess the question that I think of, how much of this information is private? Like, am I going to go to essentially an empty room or a room just full of fans? Or like, oh, yeah, all the people that are making the deals are doing the deals in, like, the corporate rooms. We can't go there. But we're here. <laughs> yeah, you know? we're here, though. We're, we're here. We're, we're at least so in, in the cool. same building. I just, you know, to, to what degree do the fans get exposed to what's happening during the meetings? You know, uh, that, yeah. That's the I, real I question. I think it's very little, but uh, it's kind of an interesting thing to participate in as a fan but I'm going to call it right now, winter 2019, we'll have, we'll have a live Radicards podcast from the winter meetings. <laughs> we're going to have all the, 
We're going to have all the hot stove trading and free agency announcements. Okay, if you're listening, you know that, that Ryan is being facetious because A, <laughs> he can't tell the future, neither can I. B, we don't know what's going to happen next year, honestly. But it's fun to think about uh, an incorporation of something like on the scene. That's kind of brings up another like like thought. Like, you know, it would be nice to bring the show on the road to like, you know, uh, listen in or or be involved in some way in some of the stuff that's happening either in sports, in the sport or in the hobby. Um, and so I've I've been giving that some thought. Uh, I don't know where that's going to go. That thought anyway, but it's nice to think about what could be with uh, traveling with the brand and kind of producing content, um, on the road. So who knows who's to, who's to know what's going to happen. Uh, don't hold anything against us guys. We don't, we don't know what's going to happen. Ryan is a friend I bring on, uh, just because, um, I think it's fun to have his dialogue on here as well. Um, and he does this, I think for a, as a favor, cause he, I don't think he likes <laughs> it. He's like, you know, Patrick, if you've convinced me enough, I might do it, but I got better things to do than blab on and on about sports and hobby with you. But no, yeah. I, I think he enjoys it, but I, I, I don't know what will happen next year with, uh, the trade meetings or anything else that's out of the office, so to speak. Uh, but it, it kind of just comes to kind of a fun thought to think about, like, and to, to ponder. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of things out of the office, you know, I do take, uh, the opportunity to cover the national when I'm at the national, whenever I'm going, whenever that happens. Um, so if you see me at the national, uh, you know, feel free to say hello. Um, I hope that, uh, you guys continue to follow me and, and, and the brand and, and listen to Ryan and what he's saying. Um, and so thanks again, Ryan, for, for joining me on this podcast. It's always nice to have you here. Yeah, man, absolutely. That, that'll be the next live podcast. It'll be from the, from the national <laughs> we'll do we'll uh we'll open packs and we'll put the packs right next to the microphones and you can hear the you can hear the crinkling <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well like i said you know if we could tell the future i think both of us would be making a lot more money mm-hmm. <laughs> but that covers this uh podcast thanks for tuning in uh and until uh thank you for tuning in the radicards podcast and radicards.com i'm your host patrick greeno and until next time enjoy collecting if you like this content please subscribe. Thank you. Enjoy collecting.